This is the emergency broadcast system. Stand by for further information. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Salakast. Bit unusual in the midweek, but we felt with the FA Cup on the weekend um, and another interesting night um, for Shrewsbury Town, we thought we'd do the pod a bit earlier. Um, mm. So this week we've actually got a guest on. So yeah, obviously me and Glenn are very conscious that we've been sharing our thoughts, but yeah, we wanted to get a, a guest on um, this week. And yeah, we've got James. So James, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, welcome. Oh, well, hello, even. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me on, guys. Uh, I, it's a good job, I, like I was saying uh, before we got onto the podcast, that we didn't record this last night. I think tonight's going to be mm. a much more diluted kind of uh, opinion on uh, on on life and uh, life as a Shrewsbury Town fan. I don't know, mate. I'm still pretty raging, so. <laughs> <laughs> it might not be that diluted, but it's good to have you back on, James. You were on, uh, I think, last season when we were probably going through a similar time. But um, yeah, it's always good to get another voice, Nolly, like you said. And um, interesting, we were just talking about this now. We, we, we've kind of been saving, you know, this special 200th episode for something a bit more joyous, Ollie. But unfortunately, it's another loss for a record. But yeah, we've reached 200 salopcasts, which is pretty mental, really, over the course of what's now been four and a half seasons, hasn't it, really? So yeah, it's been been fantastic to get to 200. And um, yeah, long, long way to continue, Ollie. Yeah, it's, um, well, I'm not. Yeah, it's definitely helping me in terms of interaction. I'm not sure Shrewsbury Town are doing much for mental health at the moment. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a good one to go into. And I mean, it's good to see that James has done some good prep for this podcast, Glenn, because yeah. James has watched the game back as well. So two of us have, have are committed to the cause and watched the game back. <laughs> I don't know um, whether um, it's a good decision, though. I do. I really regret the decision. I think I yeah, got to about... Yeah, but don't you find, actually, just an interesting comment, James. I'll ask you this question, because I, I, this is my animal. I know the answer in my opinion. But don't you find that you kind of, sort of did see a little bit different the game looked different watching it back and you there is some elements of the game you don't necessarily watch when you watch you don't see when you're watching it live oh 100 i i kind of went back and i had like well i had the thing where i was trying to count how many long balls there were in the game and after about 10 minutes when there'd been 13 long balls i was kind of like i think that's about it for the for the counting of that but no yeah it was very very interesting <laughs> watching the game back and i don't really know why i did it in hindsight really glutton for punishment i think is the uh, phrase yeah well i definitely didn't watch the game back and i feel damn sight better for it to be honest with you guys so well done for putting yourself through it again but there's absolutely no chance i'm watching a sam ricketts game more than once and once is pushing it because it's just so awfully dull yeah. and obviously we're here to to talk about this and and as you say ollie we wanted to record this um it was a bit of a weird one really we kind of expected the rickets to be sacked didn't we last night if we're honest about it yeah we'll we'll get to that really but we were planning on doing a midweek podcast to cover that but i think that yesterday's performance sam ricketts post-match comments and the fan reaction does warrant us to come back and sort of do this i don't know emergency podcast really for, for episode 11 this week and it means we can focus on the cup at the weekend so yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one. And I thought, why not start this one with a quote, Ollie? So, um, you know, busy lad, everybody knows him. His quote this week was, we need someone to grab the club by the bollocks and give it a damn good shake. Relegation is unthinkable, but a huge variety of things stares there. And I think for me, that quote sums up why I wanted to do a podcast tonight, because I kind of completely agree with that. And and the fact we're sort of listlessly steering our way towards nowhere at the moment is frustrating. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting. I've seen a couple of busy um, comments on, on Facebook this week. And... Um, you can just sense from him the kind of like not the, the kind of not the frustration, but almost the despair and the sadness in him. And it's like you can almost see when he's messing. He's like, "Well, why would you not want to change and stuff?" And you can see he's like, "It's really hurting him." Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's I think an interesting point that yeah, we we do get frustrated and you know we go on Twitter and we talk about things. Is because we care. We're really passionate about our club. 
and we don't want to see our club fail or struggle. So yeah, I think that's just an interesting point. James, I think you would agree with that, wouldn't you, at the moment? And we'll move on to the game in a minute, but having this up front is important because everybody is hurting at the moment, aren't they? Regardless of what you think of Ricketts, this run is is hurting Shrewsbury Town fans and, and no one likes to see us go on bad runs and start the seasons historically bad. thought we mm. got past that with, Rickett, uh, with, with Askey and it, it is hurting us at the moment, isn't it? Um, oh, 100%. I think... I think for myself, kind of, obviously Ricketts came out last night with some comments, which I'm pretty sure we'll go on to later on mm. in the podcast. But for me, it really, it, it got me to a point where I was very angry. The reason being is I'm, you know, there are there are lots of fans out there who are Shrewsbury Town fans who have probably supported the club longer than I have, but there are also probably Town fans out there who probably haven't, uh, mainly just because of age. But I grew up in a time where we'd just been relegated from the old division two and i i saw how kind of detrimental that cycle was the style of football we played and how quickly we went from a a division two side into someone a team that eventually ended up getting relegated with kevin Mm. ratcliffe and for me that is something that it's something that i never want to see the club in a position to happen again and for me when i see the style of football that we're playing and things like that it's, it's always in the back of my mind that you know, you go down, you may not always come back up and you look at other teams yep. who have done other free falls and I never want us to be in that position again. No. And Ollie, I think it's probably worth us moving on to the game now, isn't it? Because we definitely will revisit how the fans are feeling yeah. post, post-match here because that's yeah, a big no, one to definitely. cover. But run us, run, us, run us through the details of the game um, and, and we'll, we'll go from there as usual. Got a killer stat to start with, Glenn. And this one comes oh, courtesy no. of Stuart Dunn. Um, we have got one point from home from 15 um, this season. Oh, God. <laughs> That is pretty shocking, isn't it, to be fair? Yeah, Absolutely. Awful. I won't even turn that into yeah. percentage. It's, it's pretty bad. Um, so, yeah. Um, and you had another point. You had another stat there, Glenn. Yeah, um, the name Paul Hurst will definitely get mentioned as this podcast goes on again. But we, Ricketts is yet to amass as many points as Paul Hurst did in his entire time at the club than Hurst did in that one season. So Hurst got 87 points and Ricketts hasn't quite got yet 87 points yet so that's mental isn't it to be honest with you in one season he hasn't even overtaken him so yeah there we go I just thought that was quite an interesting one when I read it today but uh, yeah not the best but team selection I mean that, that got people talking straight away didn't it yeah, so yeah, we're trying to, as we often do, try to pull some comments. I saw a really nice comment from Guy Smith, so I'll do the team and I'll kind of mention his comment and then I'll, I'll mm. throw it back to you guys. I'll go to James first. So, so the end goal, we had Burgoyne, um, and we went back to five at the back. So we had Foster, Ebanks, Pierre, and Williams, interestingly, playing on the left hand side, and then Daniels as the left wing back. Then we had Norburn sitting, and then we had High and Zambriac, and then we had Adoe and Cummings. So back to five at the back and also with a defensive midfielder as well. So as pretty defence as you can get. Um, mm. But rather than kind of like maybe sharing what my opinion was, I thought I thought Guy had summarised it really nicely for me. So he said, so what happens? Revert back to Ricketts Ball 3-5-2, the formation that strangles attacking football at birth. Why? Burton have the worst defensive record since Johnny Depp. And I thought I'd check that. And they have. Burton have conceded 21 goals this season. <laughs> And we've only conceded 14. So we've gone... So we're, so Ricketts was so traumatised by Saturday that he's kind of ditched his, his tactic he's apparently been working on all summer. And against the, the, the team that concedes the most goals... Yeah, we've gone we've gone for um we've we've gone for a really defensive formation. What did you think, James, about the team selection? Were you surprised? Yeah, um to be honest, not so much. Mainly from a point of view where I've even even in the days when we were playing the three five the what the three five two or the five three two, what basically whatever it ended up being. I was always someone who wanted to play the 
4-3-3 or things like that. So when we were talking about playing it pre-season, I was very happy about that. But obviously, when a manager starts getting a bad run of form or bad run of results, he's obviously going to go back to what he wants to get, what he feels the team's more suited towards. And obviously, shore up that defence. And there's parts of me which thinks that like three defenders, much centre-halves, much better. But I don't know. <laughs> There's there's it's a point where guilt, I'm, isn't it? yeah there's there's a, there's a point where you wonder how much you can blame the players and how like I was watching the, like we said I watched the game back and I'm watching the game back and I'm looking at the players and I'm thinking how much is this is how much of this is actually yourselves or how much is this actually what you're getting on the training field and through mm. your manager and if I was there sat there thinking if we had a manager who was training them correctly and putting them through the right drills and putting them through, this is what we do in this situation, this is what we do in this situation, would we be making more advantage of what we're doing? And if we're playing the style of football that we are playing at the moment, does it make a difference what the formation or what the team is anyway? Yeah, I mean, first on the formation, to me, it's a bit like last season where he finally gave up on the, the I'm having it as 5-3-2. I will never call it 3-5-2, as we've discussed in this podcast. But it was a mission when he changed it last season when we um, got uh, the, the centre midfielder in. I've forgotten his name now. We played number 10. But we changed the tack, didn't we? And we actually got a couple of positive results towards the end of the season. But he's given up on it after, what, nine games this season in the league? And it's an admission that, frankly... For all this talk and chatting to us in the summer and all his plans, he hasn't got the ability to coach us to a regular, hard-to-beat winning team in that formation. And so he's given up on it, which, fine, I don't really blame him to ask me. He had to change something. And um, I suppose we looked maybe slightly more solid at the back with three defenders. But all in all, I hated Ricketts ball last season. It's not a sort of tactic or change that's getting me anything other than just completely bored about what's going to go forward again. So, yeah, it's frustrating, to be honest with you. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the team, the only the only real sort of selection when I was surprised Wally was poor old Daniel, you know, man of the match on Saturday, scores his, yeah. our first goal from open play and binned off to the bench straight away. A bit harsh. A bit harsh. I guess he could maybe say a bit of rotation. But yeah, uh, it is a bit disappointing that he was probably the highlight of that game and he was binned. Um, I just, yeah, just one fun thing on the formation and we'll move on is that, you know, he moved away from the three, the five, two, um, three, two, because we didn't score enough goals. So we're just yeah. kind of almost creating another problem again. So maybe it's a one-off. We'll see. We've got, um, obviously, um, so you've got plenty of games left to go, it seems. So we'll see what else he does. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Um, as James kind of alluded to, um, yeah, there's a lot of long balls in this game. Um, <laughs> and that was the style we set ourselves up in. Yeah. Oh, I don't know how do we start this game, Glenn. It was We should start by saying that the post pre pre match, sorry, they were um rumors about their local press have been saying yeah. this will be the last game of this incarnation of Shrewsbury Town if there's a poor result. So I was thinking, right, draw loss, he's gone, sort of thing. So that was kind of my assumption going into this game, which I just wanted to say because that plays into my post match reaction as well. But where do we start with this game? I mean, the first half for me was prime rickets ball it was boring yeah. dull long ball football it, and we'll go through some of the actions and points but it was just awful to watch frankly and i and i and i just didn't enjoy it at all and obviously mm. the result didn't go away first half either and it, it was just like a, it was just like going back in time wasn't it james just a, just a massive step back in time to this time last year when we were starting to struggle just before christmas 100 percent. i was i to be honest i was watching the game and i was thinking to myself well if i was stood at sundown watch it sundown sports village and you had two totally different kits on these players. Would would I be surprised if I thought it was Sunday league football? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> like the the just the constant long balls up to Udo and Cummings, and I you know I actually kind of felt sorry for Cummings because like during the game he's ending up dropping so far deep just to try and get touches on the ball, just so he can try and work something through, and just like 
long balls as well. Like I said, I kept I kept a count, and within like the first three minutes, there'd already been six long balls forward by Shrewsbury, and it's just like. At what point is that the... <laughs> it was interesting as a, a Burton fan um, was commenting about how, you know, their defence was doing well, but it was set up for them to succeed, wasn't it? If if you have those two players up front, the last thing you want to do is play long balls. And it, again, like kind of what I said at the beginning, it, it harks back to Shrewsbury Town of old, where we used to have small players up front, or you'd have players who come from other clubs who have really good goal records, and all we do is lump the ball up top to them and wonder why nothing happened. I think Cummins won a couple, but it's not their game. It's literally not their game. Mm-hmm. Town, Town were panicking, and the more I thought about the game as it went on, the more I thought to myself, you know what, Whitehead played for Stoke is this kind of like a Stoke mentality that he's trying to bring into the club because <laughs> it's like the, ma- the, the the majority the majority of the best things that came out of the team were either long throw-ins from Daniels corners <laughs> or like long long hooves but then even if you have long hooves you've got to have someone who's the focal point up top who will then head the ball down and then players work off him and it's just like it, it just got to the point where it's just like after so long, how is this not how how are you not realizing that this can't work? I, I think that's fair enough, James, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's it's um it's just all you want to do is get frustrated. You know, we might as well run through what happened in this half quite quickly, Ollie, because yeah. it's, it's the discussion around it that's more interesting, isn't yeah. it? And I'll so yeah, run that. us through some of the sort of key moments, and, and yeah. then we'll have a little chat after about maybe half of them. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, so yeah, we kind of we did have a, sh- a chance. <laughs> Norburn had a shot, but Ebanks Landell decided to to get in front of it. I feel a bit harsh, harsh from there. Norburn shot at him, um, so that was a bit a bit poor. Um, and then um, one thing that um, when we did try to pass the ball, and maybe this is why we went for long ball, we kept playing ourselves into trouble. Yeah. Um, so at the back, this was a constant um, issue. Um, and yeah, there's a, a ball back to Burgoyne. He had to run to stop it going for a corner, and he had to kick it back out for a throw in, and that wasn't a very good start. Considering both teams are struggling, I think it's fair to say, you know, Burton went long sometimes. They tried to play the ball behind our wing backs um, and tried to stretch us, but they did try to play football um, and they put some good balls into the box and they definitely tried to overload us in, in wide areas with our full backs. Um, and there was a really, really close chance where Vernon went wide um, and he went for a corner. That was a bit of a, a bit of a, a scare. Um, then they had another shot from that corner and it was blocked by a defender. Um, and that, that, was, that was about it for them. Cummings had a cross but couldn't find a doe. And then, yeah, as James alluded to, the game just went really, really, really long. Um, and we did work once in the first half, and that was when Cummings brought the ball down and had that shot on the on his right foot. Um, but, Glenn, like, do you think he should have done better there, or do you think that's quite a hard opportunity for him? Yeah, he should have scored, frankly. Uh, he's, he's a better player than he's shown at the moment. I mean, it's funny what James was saying about Cummings at the moment. It's almost like we've turned him into this sort of Firmino-esque defensive forward. He doesn't need to score. He can just do a you know a bit of running deep and contribute that way. But I never feel like he's actually going to score. And that was a good chance for a player of his quality. But he's just not showing that quality, is he, unfortunately, at this moment in time. And yeah, it, it was just, you know, as much as that was a good chance for us, the first chance Burton had where it went right across the box, they should have scored from that. And yeah. we should have been 1-0 down early on. Um, and then, yeah, just talking about that, that long, that long ball stuff. I mean, flipping Ebanks, I couldn't understand how bad he played first half. He given the ball away when he came forward with it. He looked shaky again, like he did on Saturday. Mm. Um, luckily, the best thing about it was this week is he had two other centre-backs covering him. And that, that was quite helpful, wasn't it? But yeah, long balls to strikers. Um, even the free kicks were mostly long. Um, you know, it just it just wasn't it just wasn't any kind of watch, and and you know, as I said to before, it was just like watching us last season. And if you, if that's what he's going to serve up, he has got no leg to stand on to say we move forward at all, Ollie. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's my view. 
I was going to say something that I noticed watching the game back is that there was obviously a tactic from Burton to target our right hand side, and a lot of the best play that they had came through that right hand side. Yeah, kind of exploiting Fossey and mm. Ebanks Landell, and and they kept they kept playing it that way, and and. I think it, they played it that it's, way maybe because yeah. it's their strength. I think mm. they, they're probably better down that side. But um, I think you could probably attack either either flanks, to be fair, um, of ours would, is a weakness. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. Mm, they, they, were, they had a lot more threat down the left. But I think that was more through, actually, I, I thought this, I thought it was more through design rather than our weakness. But it's, yeah, it mm. could be either way. We don't know. Let's remember, Burton were bloody awful, to be honest. And that's the you. thing. You know, that's the like... point I wanted to make, that Burton are, are struggling. They're actually below us when the, the game yeah. started. But um, but they they at least they actually tried to play a bit of football. They weren't mm. fantastic, mm-hmm. yep. but at least they played with purpose and they stuck to their principles, um, mm. which is which is disappointing. That okay, maybe it's only one off, but you have these principles, um, and we rejected them for this game. Mm. They they had the possession and they had they had yeah. a plan, didn't they? Of what they were trying to do away from home. They looked like they were following that plan a bit more than us. Um, mm. There were times when our football was so disjointed first half, and I can maybe understand that because it's that switch to tactics. And you know, maybe we, you know, if you were if we weren't so rubbish, you'd be saying, okay, this needs another few weeks to settle down now and see how they start playing with the five at the back. I mean, Ricketts doesn't have that time, so he's not going to get that time anymore. But yeah, mm. I can understand why we were maybe a little bit more unsettled. But the, the rest of the half went on, and we just we kept giving passes away. I, I thought Zambiric wasn't great in that half. He did one bit he's where he got a bit skilled. He's not. He's not strong enough for me, Ollie. He's a young lad trying to make his way in the game, and you don't throw young lads like that into well, a relegation battle. And I hope they hope they survive. You know, it's he's not coming into a, a team with no pressure. He's got a lot of pressure on him straight away. He's come from Brentford and they play football. Yeah. So you've, yeah, got, you've, exactly. got player, you've got a player who plays football, <laughs> and we bypassed him. So yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying. He didn't have a great game, but um, I think it's going to be hard nah. hard for anyone in central midfield to have much of a game when the ball's yeah. just going over the top of you. Now, now for me, I, I was, I, yeah, I completely saw it the, the other way, and and this is this is part. It's probably not great for me from him getting slated, but I genuinely thought he was one of the players who actually looked to do something. Watching right. it back, like yeah. he did there, try. There, there were many times when he's trying to play the ball, but again, it's like like what you're saying, Ollie. It's hard to judge the centre midfield when they're watching the ball just fly over their head every time. And one of the things I noticed is just like every time every town player got the ball, it looked so rushed. There was no kind of composure, like aerial balls. It's just like, right, let's try and hit it, head it into the corner. There was shouting, kind of wasn't thing. there? I don't you know if you what guys mean? picked that up. There was shouting from Ricketts, get it forward, get it forward. Yeah, yeah. All half, all half. That's all he shouted. Forward, forward, forward. Like top of his voice, you could hear him mm. all the time. And I was like, well, I can understand what he's trying to get us to do here, but mm. it's, it was no kind of method behind it, was there? It was just, it was just forward as quick as possible. There, there, there are times when there's a simple pass on, and you can build, you can build possession and kind of pick a team apart. But there's just no, there was no will to do it, and it, no. that, that is what was so frustrating about it. Because you look at, I, I was looking at Norbin, I was looking at Zamburek, or, um, and you're just thinking, you two are players who could, in theory, if you have the right manager you could build a team around and you could dominate a game of football. But I genuinely, there's part of me which thinks you could absolutely slate them for the performance that they put in. But then also you're thinking to yourself, if you had the right manager and this sounds really harsh and it's going to, it's going to, it could get worse, but I'm thinking to myself, and this is the problem that it's got for town fans. You are sat there thinking if you had the right manager or coach or fitness coach or anything like this, would you be giving us a different performance to what you're having? And I, I'm, I think most town fans at the moment would say possibly yes. Mm. And I think that's an interesting point about the 
the players and understand your criticism of, of this approach, but I guess in defence of Sam Ricketts, the other approach hasn't been working, has it? Mm. No. <laughs> no, it hasn't, Ollie, yeah. and we've, we've done that to death, I suppose, and, and what James yeah. said there is a really good comment as well. Just to wrap this half up, Ollie, in a, essentially, up until 39 minutes, it was a boring-as-hell game, you know. Yeah. There was nothing going on. We've, we've covered why, why it was happening. It was disjointed, long ball, whatever, whatever. 39 minutes then there, Burton Keeper decided to have a bit of a mental breakdown and, and actually gave us what I would suspect was six minutes of pressure at the end of that half. And there was a sort of Daniels cross. Um, Fossey crossed it back in. Really poor defending from Burton. And the keeper made a bit of an error before Ado had a shot that was blocked and went over. He probably could have done better, but it was good defending, actually, to be fair, to, to get something on it. And then they, they looked ropey then for like five minutes all of a sudden. And there was another corner came in that caused a bit of trouble. Um, and then there was uh, the chance. I think it was a bit later after that where the ball sort of came out to Norburn, didn't it? And he had a he had a shot which I wish he'd hit first time. I think he would have scored if he hit it first time. But he took a touch, then he had a shot. Keeper saved it onto the post. So yeah. all, all three of those chances came within about a three minute spell, and and we suddenly looked amazing. But that was it. It was just three minutes first half, and, and that was it. So mm. not not the best. Not at all. And it, and it was yeah, it was kind of pressure through. Really, Burton Bell struggled to clear their lines. I mean, mm. yeah. It's, yeah. It's, Fair to yeah. say, corners was definitely um, a threat. And I think part of the problem was is that because the strikers couldn't keep the ball, we never had the time for our wing-backs to get forward. Um, yeah. Again, that was a bit of a trend last season. I mean, yeah, and when we, when we got them forward, um, Daniels was a bit of a threat putting the ball in from the left. Oh, 100%. And the thing is, as well, with the, with the last-minute pressure, it comes a bit onto the second half as well, is in the pressure, you would only get that... I, th- I only feel Town would get that pressure from a team who were struggling as well, because it, it smacked of panic from Burton towards that final half. And they're just trying to clear it, clear it, and just get into halftime without without conceding, really. And and you look at that Norburn chance as well. If we're a team on in good form, does he hit it first time rather than taking the extra touch? And mm. and and various various other things and that and and it you know, there were gonna be a lot of comparisons to the Paul Hurst era, I think we'll probably get onto later, but you look at the Paul Hurst era and you'd play it through Godfrey and then it'd go through Woods or whoever else was in in the midfield or no, even, not, no, no, Nolan Nolan, Nolan, Nolan even. Yeah. Woods would have been amazing with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, imagine Godfrey and Woods. No, so go through Godfrey, then go through Nolan. They're very ginger and magicians. Um, <laughs> and then, and then from there, then they would pass it out wise. You know what I mean? Uh, whereas at the moment, it, it just, I don't know. It just, it, yeah, it just screams of no idea, no plan. No, yeah. I think, and we got to half time on it. I'll throw it back to you in a second. But it, I, I just thought, you know, we're trying to reflect fans today, which is why we got James on. But here's three quotes at half time on Twitter that I've got on my account I'm just looking at. And this is Josh Evans How on earth can that be acceptable as the home team? Performance is bewildering. It's so predictable. No creative spark, long, hopeless balls. Free kicks are more like rugby conversions. Good point. Follow the town. Another another horrible half of football, but on the plus side, we're not losing and they look as bad as we do. One goal either way would probably settle it. It's got nil-nil written all over it. Well, it's close. Obviously, ended in a draw. And then um, Andy Muir, the old groundo. This is bleak and that's an understatement. This side has relegation written all over it unless there's some form of a massive turnaround. And, you know, those three comments are fairly reflective of, of what I was reading online at halftime, Ollie. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely, definitely bleak. Um, yeah, half time came and went, and about five minutes went, and nothing really happened um, in the game. It's a really bizarre game because just like nothing happened in in quite big periods of the game. Um, and but and then unfortunately, forty nine minutes, um, Fossey goes to win a header 
Um, he kind of falls down. I don't really understand what happened to him. Um, it's really sad. He's, it sounds like it could be quite a serious injury. Um, so, yeah, so Fossey goes off. Yeah, Fossey goes off for 49 minutes. Um, and you're thinking, OK, what are we going to do here? Um, but we bring Walker on and put Williams <laughs> to right wing back. And I remember, and I'm sure you think of this now, Glenn, I tweeted, Williams isn't going right wing back, is he? And I was like, yeah, of course he is. And then all we ever heard from uh, Danny on the commentary was, you know, Williams would get it on the halfway line. It would be Williams, checks back. Williams, yeah. checks back. Because he never, ever wants to run past the player. He's not a wing back. Because he's a central defender. No. <laughs> no, it's not his job, is it? And so, yeah, that, that was the start of the first half. I, I, I put on Twitter, I think I fell asleep up till about, I don't know, 50 minutes. That first five, six minutes of the half was just exactly the same, wasn't it? And um, Zambaric run the ball out of play. Yeah, and then they actually, the ball away. good point there, actually, about the Zambiet point there, Glenn. He does run the ball out of play. But there was a, quite a few times where he'd get the ball and try and pass to someone and there was no one there. We were yeah. playing so defensive. And having three central defenders and um, two wing backs and um, um, Norburn sitting quite deep when we were defending meant that when we did push forward, it was really hard to, um, to, to find a man. And then we were defending so deep. And then our strikers were obviously where they would, you know, in a normal kind of a, a striking position, the gaps were so long. So whenever yep. we did try to play the ball on the ground, we often got caught out or we didn't quite make it because it took so long for the pass to be made. The central defenders, um, yeah, and basically got the ball. And yeah, feel a bit sorry for Zambriak and High in that, and Norbert, to be fair, in this game. Well, I would say, James, the funniest thing about what Ollie's just said is we were playing so deep and so defensive. And somehow the goal we concede is them on a counter-attack, which is amazing, <laughs> really, isn't it, when you think about it. And yeah, just just to get to this point now, because I think Town fans' heads exploded at this point in time, but we just had a chance for Zambriak, hadn't we, just before that. And so you, some positive stuff for him, but he totally scuffed it. But yeah. Daniels gives the ball away. Burton countered on us. Daniels are too slow to get back. Um, and then the first shot is saved by going, but the follow-up shot falls to Hemmings, who's, who's a decent player, to be fair. And um, yeah. he hits it straight through Scott High's bloody legs on the on the, on the the goal line, doesn't he, basically? So I'm not entirely sure how he didn't even keep that out. But just, James, an awful goal to concede, an awful time, and just very, very symptomatic of this season. <laughs> you, watch the goal, you watch the goal back, and it is... I don't know how else to explain it, but it, it, it sums the match up completely. You kind of town, do something good, and you're just like, oh, wow. You know, we, you know, Norburn's got the ball, he's recycled it, he's given it to Daniels, and Daniels tr- somehow loses the ball. We're then in a two-on-one position, and you're like, oh, it's Roshan, it's okay, don't worry. And then somehow a, a step over puts Roshan on the floor, and then all of a sudden you've got Zambiric and Hai, who are the only players who are running back. And at this point, you're thinking... How are the only two players who are running yeah. back at the, who are close to the ball after all of that stuff that's happened? You'd have thought that so many more players would have been like running back. And then you watch the goal and you're like, how has that gone through your legs and gone through? It's literally right. gone straight at you. And Yeah, I think it's well, well said, to be honest with you, James. It was horrific, wasn't it, Ollie? And where where did we suddenly find ourselves in the, in the English Football League Division 1 or League 1, as it's now called, wherever? Bottom of the table. So we're bottom of the live table. We did start a bit earlier, but still, yeah, bottom of the live live table. Um, and yeah, um, seemingly um, in in quite a, a precarious position as we, we we thought at the time for the manager. Um, yeah, <laughs> I had to note this down. So um, so we had the ball at the back, going forward quickly, and Ebanks kicks the ball long, and it goes out for a throw in. Um, so he's on the left hand side and he goes out for throwing, which is just, yeah, it's a bit of an odd thing to maybe point out, but it was just, yeah, symptomatic of what we were doing. Um, yeah. I had that same note. 
<laughs> yeah. I had that same note. I was like, super cool. We restart and it's just kick kick back to Ebanks and then straight out for a throw. And it's just it was again, like I said at the very beginning of the show, kind of like I got bored of saying balls past Ebanks Landell, long ball, town lose it. And it, it became uh-huh. kind of symptomatic of everything that's that's wrong and is going wrong really for me. It's, it's funny because, you know, it, we went 1-0 down at home to Burton in a game that Ricketts really needs to win. It did only take him seven minutes to figure out he might as well actually try and do something slightly more attacking for once and make a, a change, didn't he, Ollie? Which is, which is pretty good for Ricketts. I'm surprised he didn't leave it to like 85 minutes and then, you know, lament he didn't have a lot more injury time. But, um, oh. yeah, what were the changes then, Ollie? So, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is odd. And, and actually, I've, I've got the quote somewhere from Mark Elliott because he sums it up really nicely, but I can't really find, I can't find it for right now. But basically, actually, there we go. So there's a last minute injury gamble, injury time gamble. But, um, and it's something that potentially we maybe should have put something on the table, which is a little bit more worked out. But he put Pierre up front. So 66 <laughs> minutes into the game. Mm. We put Walker in defence, into central defence, go four at the back, play a 4-3-3 with three strikers, one of them who is Pierre. So Pierre played up front for 32 minutes. Um, and mm. I'm not having any of this nonsense that he contributed to the goal um, because he's yeah. not a striker. <laughs> and I don't know, Glenn, what were you thinking when you saw... He probably took you a while to realise he wasn't tracking back. Um, and then Stuart Dunn <laughs> confirmed it a few minutes later, but it was a couple of minutes even for Stuart Dunn to notice. Well, I, at that point in time, losing one to Burton, I was almost like in a sort of delirious phase. It was almost, it was pretty hilarious to see what he was trying here, and it felt like the wheels had fully come off at that point in time. I thought, you know, stick in your big strike, your big defender on up front, and just hoping something will work. And and from that point onwards, as much as we can talk about us creating a fair few more chances in this game, it was the most direct of direct football I've ever seen. It was mm. corner, throw in, long ball, Pierre, and hope you got a knockdown. There was hardly any mm. football played, and it just. The good thing was Burton got knackered and they they let us recycle the ball time and time again. And that's what got us the pressure to keep trying to go and create those chances. But there was no real craft other than just throwing a big bloke forward. And fair enough, Mm. I suppose it it kind of kind of worked at times. He did win a couple of headers and I I do like Pierre. But I've got this thing, Ollie, at the back of my mind that he's going to start Pierre up front on Saturday against Cambridge. And we're going to be like 66 minutes. He's going to be starting from the first minute on Saturday because no one one else is fit enough to do that role. So that would be pretty hilarious, wouldn't it, James? Yeah, bring back Leo Fortune West. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's complete. It's the reverse Calvin Langmead, isn't it? Really, yeah. but um, I think it's it's one of those that mid game you're kind of in disbelief at 67 minutes, thinking, "What are you doing?" Like he, Pierre's up front, and I've got the note saying Cummings has a great chance um, in front of goal, works his way past the defender, and Pierre's in his way, and that's <laughs> and that's and that's the thing. He's up front. He doesn't. No, no, no offense, Pierre. He's obviously a, a, t- a million times better player than I will ever be. But what he's doing in that position, kind of like he's just kind of like me when I get given to, <laughs> yeah, go up front for a bit, and it's kind of like completely lost fish out of water kind of thing, and it just smacking out to Udo and Cummings and it's not coming down what are you going to do the person who's won the, the all the headers all game Pierre you might as well try him up front and see what happens and he did and it looks ludicrous and it looks like a person who doesn't know what his plan is and should his plan be long ball anyway 
probably mm. not. And it's it, it's again, it smacks of desperation and of a manager running out of time and I think running out of ideas. And I think I tweeted at the time, it's similar to Stuart Pierce shoving David James up front when he had uh, <laughs> all other strikers on the bench. And it, it kind of it, it it kind of smacked a bit of that rather than thinking, right, let's play to what we've got and the good players that we've got. You know, just thinking, right. Yeah, and it, uh, I, I don't even what know were what the players thinking, Glenn? What do you reckon? What do you reckon was in the WhatsApp groups this morning or last night when they were talking about Pierre being up front? I reckon they were saying, all right, good, good, good substitution that you know, good move to get him on up front because he's our joint top goal scorer in the league. So, you know, get, <laughs> get the goals up front. <laughs> Maybe that's what they were saying. But I, I liked what you said on Twitter um, just after it happened and he'd been playing up there for about five minutes. And to be fair to him, in that first first five minutes he closed the goalkeeper down twice and he was blowing out of his ass straight away because yeah, he was he knackered bit, at the end of the game put a fair bit of effort into it but you put can you imagine what the fan reaction would have been to this losing one at home to burton in a must-win game where we've, we've won one in 10 games oh my god the fans if that that, that moment would have been you would have been getting so booed and so interesting um, so what would he what would have excited put a few things out what do you think would have been chanted I don't know. I'm trying not you to swear. You don't know what that. you're doing. You would have been, yeah, you don't know what you're doing. Wouldn't have been. That would have been definitely the first chance. Ricketts, Ricketts, Ricketts time to go. Like the last yeah. time, you know, when, when everybody lost their rag with him. And I think that would definitely have been it. And it, and it would have gone on for a while. And I'm almost certain because of the fact that a lot of people think he should have gone after Fleetwood. I think there would have been some abuse for Brian and the board, you know, you yeah. know, whatever sort of thing that we had that, that yeah. one time. After asking. Yeah. So I, I, it would have been interesting to see what the reaction was because it was, it, it has certainly been a more passionate reaction than some of the players have been mm. in, that's for sure. But um, it's, it's it's interesting. I mean, from that point in time, obviously we were just, you know, doing what we were doing. But I, I guess the rest of the game was sort of um, punctuated by actually creating a couple of chances, but again, just not taking them really, as usual, not Ollie. Quality, but not quality chances, no, though. No, not quality chances at all. Um, yeah, so um, so um, Daniels came on um, for Zambrek and played him in field. And then Pew came on and played as like a number 10. <laughs> so we were playing like mm. four at the back two central fielders, one number 10 and three strikers, including a central defender. And um, like, <laughs> you imagine trying to explain to a fan who's been um, off traveling for a year and trying to explain to him who, what's yeah. going on. Like, what you'd be like, what? Mm. Um, yeah. And yeah, the, 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 the plan A didn't work. And God knows what this was. This plan Z, like, was there nothing else? Yeah. Do you know what it, summed it up for me, Ollie, in terms of the desperation, was that um, there was a moment as the half went on where Pierre ran into the back of a defender who was kind of taking the ball along the byline, smashed him, fell over as he tackled him, and everybody was calling for a penalty. It was one of the most... Yeah. Oh, that was terrible. He ran into him. Yeah. But actually, sorry, I just forgot one thing to mention. is Apparently, I could, apparently I've been told, um, I didn't see this myself, the term Cumdog and um, Pierre were arguing loads after the game, and I don't know if mm. it was that oh, right. point that James is referring to um, that he wasn't happy that he got in his way. I'm looking at my notes and it's just like Cummings dropping deep again, trying to create something for himself. Uh, to be honest, though, I actually thought Walker played all right. Yeah, he did. I thought I thought he was. He came. He came on, and I was like, he actually he looked composed. He played a really, really good diagonal along the floor. That was amazing. Um, that was probably the best. Uh, unbelievable. And. You know, and it was just like fantastic ball, like 80 minutes on about 80 minutes. We started playing some really good football for about like three or four minutes. And I've put I've put like, oh, Tam playing really well, really well. And then ends up in a long ball and Shrewsbury lose the ball again. And it's uh, and again, it's just that frustrating thing that you have. You have those like few minutes in the game where you're like, actually, you know, we do have a team here. But then it, it just goes back into that kind of like pass it back, hoof it kind of. 
And yep. you you can imagine why Cummins is getting frustrated. He's you can see the body language, can you? That's you know one mean? of the things you definitely spot when you're watching it back. Um, apologies for saying this. We've said this term probably too many times now, but um, you could see like how frustrated you could see the emotion of the players. Mm. Um, and obviously, we have no idea what the kind of the thoughts are in the dressing room. The players did carry on working throughout the game, so you have to give them credit for that. They they haven't down tools, you know, in terms of stopped, mm. not trying at all. Um, but Glenn, I don't know if you noticed at all that players didn't seem particularly happy. No, no one, no one seems very happy. There was a lot of shouting going on, as we said before. It was just quite a tetchy atmosphere, I thought. And um, mm. yeah, the whole thing was just was just not good, to be honest with you. And and it, it was interesting because we did, you know, had those chances, and I think there was there was a couple which you could have thought you were quite unlucky. It was a header that Pierre had late on, wasn't there? That the keeper made yeah. a really good save from. But at the same time, you know, there was some some defending we had to do, and yeah. there was a good block from Williams, and it was just I don't know. I, th- I think I saw I saw a few fans saying, "Oh, the second half we had a go," and and Ricketts obviously talk about the commitment to keep going right to the end but to me it it was you know if you said we were knocking on the door it was the lightest little tap asking if you could mm, come yeah. in it wasn't it wasn't like, like we were banging the door again. down it's that word again glenn it's dysfunctional yeah. everything we do is yeah. dysfunctional defending is dysfunctional dysfunctional trying to defend in the when the opposition's in transition is dysfunctional um and yeah we were just it was very very poor mm. um and yeah, we seem to have all this extra time. And I'm not sure exactly where it came from. I know there was obviously a little bit for Fossey and a few other injuries, but I was quite surprised to have six minutes. Mm. <laughs> well, so are Burton. <laughs> <laughs> the, the more I talk, the more I just, the more I feel just so disenfranchised. <laughs> I was like, right, I'm going to try and come on, try and feel a bit more positive than I was last night. But again, it's We've broken more you. More good play. You know, I, like I, you look at it, and I, I've written down town looked played a lot better football in the last 10, 19, well, 10 to 19, because that's including all the added time. I thought Pew looked decent, but again, it's like in a normal game of football, you'd be picking that up and saying that's what he, you know, that's an okay thing. But the game had been so poor that you're kind of looking for anything of just like any notes to just say, oh yeah, that's decent. That's that's how football should look kind of thing. And it's just like... Uh, again, again, I think you're being overly, overly generous and, there, you know, I, I am. You're starved of such poor performance and such poor football that you you start thinking things that are mediocre are actually decent. It's <laughs> like even even the corner that, that, that the goal was scored from isn't isn't massively isn't isn't great, but you're looking going, Wow, you know, it's a much better corner, it's whipped in, it's into the right area, it actually beat the first man kind of thing. And you're just like thinking how many corners did we have? You know, we've got this Charlie Daniels who like, I had to turn the commentary off for the eye follow because it's just, just there going, Charlie Daniels of Bournemouth, he played Premier League last year, you know, and you just say again, stop telling me kind of like this player who doesn't look like he could play Premier League football, play Premier League football last season, you know, and he's just, uh, just it's crazy average years, isn't it? It's yeah. If you, if you said to me, like there's a, there's a player who played Premier League football last season, who plays for Shrewsbury town, you'd be going, uh, um, yeah, I mean, possibly, uh, you know what I mean? But you'd think, like, and that's no disrespect to Daniels. He's obviously played not many games. He's coming towards the end of his career, and he's obviously been a very good player to have played where he has. But it's, it, and again, it kind of smacks to what I was saying earlier. You are sat there thinking, are these actually the players that we've got? and we are limited to this position or is it actually the coaching staff and what they're doing with them? And as a town fan, you kind of, you find yourself in that position. And like, I think a lot of town fans are gave themselves like kind of like last season. They were like, well, at least we've got the defense. You know what I mean? You, like at least we've got the yeah. defense. We'll bit, and then we can build on that. And then this season, it's just like, what, what have we got? And three steps well, that's, that's what, that's what we're bringing the problems year. that we've got. 
He's trying to do that again, but we're trying to do it from 10 games in when we're already cut adrift at the bottom of the league a little bit from some teams. And it's that's just the stupidest thing about it. He's wasted 10 games this season and it might end up costing us in the long run pretty severely. But we didn't mention the goal. It's probably just worth mentioning. It, it yeah. was a disputed corner, wasn't it? They were fuming about um, a defensive header that they thought they'd cleared away off the back of one of our players. And that's what caused this commotion at the end and then yeah the ball comes in doesn't it Pierre has a header saved by the keeper who already looked like he was behind the line and then um, sort of comes back um, and then the doe hits it and the keeper saves it again but this time he's behind the line so yeah it, it's been given I think it was over the line for me I don't know if I, either of you would disagree about that. It you can't like... actually see the ball yeah. behind a man mm. but the goalkeeper's position suggests that it was uh, it was over the line so I yeah. feel really sorry for Burton you know, they thought they'd got <laughs> a hard one <laughs> win um, and yeah then the referee awards us um, and as Sam Rickett said we got a bit of luck I, I think I posted on Twitter and Facebook saying it's possibly the least celebrated town last minute winner of all time. Because I think I've, I've never seen yeah. Twitter be so outraged by town scoring <laughs> a goal, which would get everyone's going, oh, my God, I can't believe we scored. Oh, no. Like, obviously, we're on the away supporters WhatsApp and, you know, everyone's kind of saying what they're saying. And then all of a sudden mm. we score and everyone's like, I can't believe we scored. And. It, 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 yeah, it's it's just one of those. Like I think you were saying on the last podcast, you were talking to that Burton fan who was like, "Is there any way that two sides can lose?" And I think this way was, you know, yep. Oh, Burton were winning up until the last minute, and somehow we snatched that victory from them from a, t- a game where we've played dreadfully, and then we we're at a position where we think that we well. I don't want to say we and group the majority, but I think there were quite a lot of fans who were hoping that, you know, the result may go badly and we, you know, the the managerial situation changes and then we somehow get a draw out of the worst, well, one of the worst performances I've ever seen anyway. Um, well, to be yeah. honest, that's a bit that's a bit rich. I've seen some really bad town performances. Can I ask a question for you, Glenn? Oh, yeah. Is scoring in the 98th minute and drawing at home for Burton for our first point, um, for our second, was it our second point? I can't remember now. Second point. Of the season yeah. at home, a turning point. No, it, it was a bad result for both teams, frankly. Let's be honest about it. Like, both teams would have walked off there thinking, oh, Christ, we're still massively in trouble. N- haven't impressed at all either team really and and no it's not I don't think it's a turning point at all point, uh, the, the thing the thing that James just pointed out about the fan reaction to me at the end of the game was more of a I think everybody kind of had sort of steeled themselves in those last five to six minutes of right we're on the verge of the new era do you know what I mean that, that's it Ricketts is gone there's no way he survives losing five games at home and losing to Burton and it was almost like people were sort of already walking into that next that next phase you know next manager this might be exciting let's get some entertaining football going and it was just we were building ourselves up to that and then that Goal kind of came at a time where it was like, well, I'm, I'm glad you've scored because I do not want us to get relegated and we need to pick a point up here or there. But it was almost like taking you back from there. And I think some people might have been saying, okay, this changes nothing and it shouldn't, it shouldn't have changed nothing. He should have still gone, but he didn't. And so I think it, it was that that was the fan reaction at the end, wasn't it? It was like a dichotomy of feeling good because we scored and not wanting to be bottom of the league, but also, oh, that's postponed what I kind of wanted to happen, which is where a lot of people are. They want Sam Ricketts gone, and it, and it felt like that might be something that gives him the the sort of chance to stay on and it did yeah. didn't it Ollie? yeah it's like going to the dentist when you're scared of the dentist but you need to go um to get rid of that <laughs> to get rid of that some of that broken tooth um yeah it's um it's 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 not not good at all um we've said everything i think we can say about this game now yeah yeah um, yeah what about so, your top three ollie yeah i went for walker pew and daniels um because they thought they did the least wrong <laughs> two of them came on as subs brilliant all three of them came on as subs <laughs> oh yeah did you I went oh that daniels subs. 
Yeah, oh, that's fair enough, Ollie. I don't blame you. I went, I mean, it was so hard. I've just changed this four or five times. You're probably watching the agenda, but I went for Ado. I kind of thought he kind of kept going. But what, for the yellow card tackle, he did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he did keep going, to be fair to him. I, get, I went for Walker. He, he actually was really good when he came on. And the man, Walker should be starting every week in this midfield. Yeah. There's, there's just no reason. It's just interesting on Walker. You know, I've, I've got my, the, my, my football friend, Ram, who's an analyst. Um, and he messaged me in the week saying how amazing um, Walker is in all his stats. And I haven't quite mm-hmm. noticed this. Yeah. Probably because, and partly because I'm so frustrated. I'm, sometimes I'm not quite watching the game. I'm just, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm distracted because I watch the football so poor. He said that Walker's been really excellent at winning the ball back as well. So it's not just his passing that's been really good. He's actually been nope. winning the ball back really well for us, which I hadn't quite noticed. No, that's good. I went for Williams third as well. So um, I don't know, James, what were yours quickly? Who did you go for? Yeah, I, it was a toss-up. It could have been any one of five for me. I thought Cummins did well. I thought he worked hard when he when he got the ball. He showed willing and he looked like he had quality on the ball. I thought Norburn did well in what he did. Again, I think he's mm. kind of limited to what he can with the with the system and what's going on around him. And given the situation that he's been in, is I thought he did play well last night. But then also kind of then I was. There's part of me which wanted to say Walker, but he came on as a sub, and I was just like, "Can I really put him up there?" But I thought he was very yes. good. I then thought, then it was a cost between. I thought Pierre won everything when he was at centre half, but then he got put up front, and it was a bit rubbish. <laughs> and then I thought Zambiret did well, but then he got bought off, and he also made big mistakes. And it was kind of like, it's hard to pick a top three when it was so many average performances. But I think, yeah, yeah. I guess I'd say War- Walker, Walker should definitely Walker and Cummings. I thought. Both had good games. I don't think either of them did too much wrong, really. And then you can pick the third one between any of the other three, really. Fair enough, fair enough. And, uh, yeah, I think we're getting beyond Man of the Match now to Sam Ricketts' comments, where, first of all, it was a surprise to see him because there was a couple of things from local press. I think it was Ryan Hillback, who I did an interview with the other week. Um, and he was saying, oh, he's got word that Ricketts is not going to be in the dugout. Da, 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 da. Anyway, but, you know, after a bit of radio shock, which we'll get to in a minute, um, we had a Sam Ricketts interview, Ollie. And certainly said something a bit more interesting for once ollie we certainly had something to talk about on this one <laughs> yeah he did so um yeah so basically he's, this is where someone said to me oh, good for him you know you, we shouldn't really go for character assassination um and it's not nice <laughs> and it's, it's not really it's not really becoming <laughs> of us but it is really frustrating when the manager's saying things which from our perspective is, is not is not what we're seeing um so he said it's about time we had a bit of luck i'll agree, I'll agree with him there we, yep. It was about time we had a bit of luck. Um, we've had a few tricky results, but not performances. He's quite adamant the performances <sighs> are really good. I don't think anyone agrees with that. So we never gave up. And I have to say that we, you know, we've been critical at times, but we have to be, you know, we have to also say what we see. And the players did carry on working, um, and, and the players uh, are still working yep. for him. So we have to give him that. Performance, he's asked a question by Stuart Dunn about performance, and he said the attitude was outstanding. <laughs> and kind of said I've answered that question, but he hadn't, and he didn't answer the question about the performance because it, was, no. it wasn't really very good. And he says the performances, the process is there. The injuries, we've got lots of shots, but we haven't scored. And he just kind of went on a bit of a ramble um, um, about just various things about to do with football. And then yeah, and then he talked about Pierre at front changing the game. Now we've discussed this a little bit. I don't think that really worked, did it, Glenn? It didn't. No, we didn't create no, any chances in open play, did we? That's for sure. And no, to be fair, no, it didn't. he would have been up front for those moments that he did impact the game because there were set pieces and Ebank Slander was standing next to him. Yeah, it's, it's, it was daft. And, and yeah, that didn't work for me. And, um, but th- th- this interview was interesting 
interesting and, and stuff, but what he said, you know, in the next bit, I think he did this bit with Lewis Cox, didn't he, yeah, in the, in the later interview. Cox. So obviously we didn't hear this on the on the Saturday night and we didn't, sorry, on the on the night before the game yesterday, but it came out like, you know, probably about nine o'clock when Lewis had sort of put his interview bit in there. And it was just one of those things where I think a manager always, who's under pressure always tends to put their foot in their mouth a little bit. And for me, this was, this was that point in time. Yeah. So yeah, he was talking about how he... Sorry, so can I explain this? Because I watched it. Yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah. So no, I, 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 I've come to you and I'll explain why. I, I think it makes sense why I want to go, and go through it. So, yeah, sure. he, we saw that article come out, didn't we, Glenn? Um, which was interesting. Um, and then what, but then I was kind of waiting for it and then I watched watch the interview back. And the interview is it's really interesting because someone's asked him about the fans and he said, I read. And then he stopped and then he went on to talk about Steve Bruce. So he was going to talk about what he's been seeing. The fans have been talking about, and he nearly was going to comment on something. And then he changed his mind and said, "Steve Bruce talks about keyboard keyboard warriors, and the process we're doing is one hundred percent right." I get letters, constant letters from supporters saying to ignore the minority. Um, and yeah, that that's the article that went online. But I thought it was just like when I actually watched it back, what he said was a bit calmer and stuff than I expected. But yeah, it's it's not good, and it, it just it smacks of desperation. Didn't he say he met Bruce, Steve Bruce? He said he met Steve Bruce. He yeah, lives near he met Steve Bruce or well, I spoke to him or something. But, like, he lives near me or something, yeah. But the way I read that I read thing that he stopped himself was, was it, the, day, uh, the day before yesterday, I think it was, or, or earlier in the week, Steve Bruce had done an article in the newspaper or a, a newspaper had covered him doing an interview and he talked about this exactly. He used the phrase keyboard warriors. He used some of the phrases that Ricketts used. So I think that maybe Ricketts never met Steve Bruce and he just read his article in the paper and just just pretended he did because <laughs> honestly, it's like like for like what he said and it, and it seemed unlikely he met Steve Bruce since Saturday. So who am I to say? But I think that's maybe where he said that I read thing come from, Ollie. It's really bizarre. Oh, but yeah, really I'll, I'll, I'll flag you up the um, article. Someone put it on Twitter. You must have missed it yesterday. But yeah, very odd. But you can't, can't go talking you can't go talking about our fans as keyboard warriors now when none of them can go to the friggin stadium and the only way we have to express our fair rage anger or just frustration if you will depends where you've got to is via the bloody internet and via our phones yeah. and and talking to fans that's we're all having to do that and it's so myopic of him not to see how fans are suffering in this situation and for him to just push push it back, I didn't like that. And let's be honest, this is the second time he's tried out that crap about getting letters, Ollie. He did it under pressure last time. I'm constantly getting letters from supporters um, <laughs> and saying, I, and no one's ever come up to me and said I've done a bad job. I'm like, mate, honestly, are you kidding me? I mean, <laughs> we, I know it, someone it, who has. It's ridiculous, oh. isn't it? Go on, James. I, um, Michael Gregg, who plays for our um, away supporters team, he, yeah. he, he, fiz- he went up to uh, Ricketts last season. To- Told him in <laughs> he very much told him that he wasn't doing a very good performance and told him that he should be playing Wally and Wingers. So um, blame him for this season in 4-3-3. Um, yeah, but... there we go. It, well, <laughs> if, if there had been fans there on, Saturday, on Tuesday night, there's no way to walk down that stadium without someone giving him a friendly reminder of what's going on. But it just I, I'm not happy about it, the whole thing. And, and you know, what? maybe I am a keyboard warrior and I've been doing it for years on Blue and Amber and everything, but I'd love to be in the stadium. I'd love to be expressing how I feel about things through the, through the modicum of chanting and and. A, a fairly good booing at the end because that's what they deserve but it just it's just not, how you not the best timing it's just not very um sensible he's saying lots nope. of un- things that are quite silly at the moment and and i think he's 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 saying things in this period now which are neither going to go away um and you know you don't win friends and influence people with these kind of post-match interviews and mm. the thing i've I said on twitter and i haven't really kind of we haven't said it too much on the podcast 
But none of these, well, we have, I think we said it last week, but um, he never <laughs> takes accountability for the performance. Nope. He never takes accountability never for the results. The last interview, everything was about the players' errors and other things and bad luck. It's always, it's never about what I'm going to do. And yeah, you know, we talk about Paul Hurst a lot. He said a lot of times, you know, I'm going to do this. So, you know, we're going to work on this and we're going to fix this. Where's that Where's that accountability, that leader? And if I saw a little bit more humility from him, um, you maybe would probably all be a little bit more supportive of him. But but we don't, we, with these press conferences, don't don't give us any answers to, to the problems that we're seeing and doesn't endear him to us as our manager. It's, and he was a bit grumpy with, James, he was a bit grumpy with Danny as well, wasn't he? Which is never a good thing. That should be a sackable offence. Oh, 100%. I love Danny. <laughs> D- Danny's a national, well, a Shropshire hero. <laughs> He's a he is. Yeah. Shropshire treasure. But it's, it, it kind of reminds me a bit like the Simpson era when he was starting to blame the fans for everything. And, you know, like like you were saying, Mark, Mark Elliott came out and said he's never known a response like it over mm. two or three games since he's been working on it. And, you know, a lot of fans were saying it's because, obviously, we can't have our say in the stadiums, like you were saying, Glenn. And yep. it's, yep. it's a lot of these things, like we're saying, they're... A lot of the things that we're seeing as fans are things that we've seen before. Like I'm pretty sure we've said before that the getting in of old players, you know, that you know, the Daniels, the Pew, smacks of the getting in the wones and things like this of the Ratcliffe era, the you know, the turning on the fans like Simpson, you know, they're all things that are happening before uh. the inevitable the, the sacking or the teams that not doing very well, you know, and it's you know, like we are even though we are keyboard warriors, we have been here way before he has, and we will be here long before he long after he leaves. And that's the well, thing sir. that he's got to remember. And the reason we say the things that we say, especially on Twitter and Facebook now, is because we don't get to let that out on on a match day at the ground uh. with our friends. And we love the club, and we've seen where we've seen how long it's taken us to get to the, the point that we're at as a club now. How long has it taken us from to get to this position? Like, like I was saying, we we were a team that were broke. We could, we were scrapping around for players. You know, we had night. We had Mark Cartwright. We had Greg Aria. We had like we had a terrible team. We ended up yeah. getting relegated into conference. We've built ourselves to where we are now, and I think it scares a lot of fans to think that we could go back to those depths. And that's and that is what scares people, and that is what brings out the passion. That's what brings out the the keyboard warrior. But yeah, there are a few people who every week will say Hurst out as a bit of a joke. Hurst in even as a bit of a joke. Ricketts out, but there are still some people like my friend Jamie who has not come to a town game for about a year and a half because he saw what was happening and he was like, I don't want to be a part of that. Yep. I can't blame you for that either. Fans, you know, and there's a lot of people who are now deciding that, and it's and it hurts, and that's why people are saying what they're saying. Yeah, it's not just on the field stuff, is it? That's fair. And there's a lot of things I feel like you pointed out there. But I guess we're moving into the debrief section now. Um, so obviously, I'll just run through. Obviously, there was a, a phone on, on Radio Shop straight away, which Mark Elliott uh, hosted. Um, there's a few few people I sort of recognised names on there. One lad for, called Ollie Warner, I think his name was. I think he was, <laughs> his friend from the middle of the Sahara, Sahara Desert. Um, his friend <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> you're giving me abuse. My poor yeah, signal terrible. is harsh. Um, but, yeah, yeah, harsh, but interesting phoning like everybody other than the occasional absolute loop, fruit loop who was probably roland's cousin or something was basically ricketts out um and there was a lot of chat about paul hurst again but yeah there was there was no support whatsoever for ricketts on the phone in and then obviously we had the interview and then sort of at the same time people talking on twitter and, and facebook and blue and amber which is all we're sort of judging it on at the moment and obviously as james said we've all got whatsapp groups we're part of i'm part of a few really and everybody on there was outraged really and saying i can't believe he's staying even people i know who kind of 
work at the football club. I probably should say that sort of saying. I can't believe what's going on here. But um, yeah, basically everyone was just completely confused that he hadn't been released, Ollie. And it leaves us in that situation. We've got some questions to look at next. But the, the main question now is what what the hell happens next, Ollie? Fans are expecting him to go. Probably one in in the majority. He hasn't gone. So <laughs> what are we doing now? Yeah, well, I guess you. I guess in that premise, you're assuming that the, the results will improve. Um, but okay, so they prove when we stay up, and then we let him go in the summer potentially. If we give him a new contract, man, like we will come onto this, I'm sure, Glenn, about season tickets. But God, the club yes. can't have him next season for for season tickets alone. Um, and I just don't understand what where where we're going to go. If, say say he turns it around and we have a great run. And we do, and he said in his end his interview, he said, "We finished last, finished fifteenth last season, and we'll do better this year." So that's the target he set himself. It was wow. the end of his press conference. It was the last sentence. That is the target he set himself. We will finish better than fifteenth, and we can see. It. And if he does achieve that, he'll keep his job. But do you think he'll win the fans back over, Grim? Oh, he's done. He's done. He's absolutely done. I'm sorry. He, he's and also that's 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 pretending that he does this. There's no, no not evidence bad. to suggest that he's going to be able to do this. Like, I mean, James, you were on it. Me and Oliver had our say last week about Ricketts, and I, he can't win me back round again now. I mean, it's just he's not going to win six games in a row. He's not going to do anything entertaining. We're going to get Ricketts ball 1.0 for a few weeks until he messes up again and gets sacked. But um, I don't know. Where are you at with Ricketts, James, just quickly? I, I, I hate sounding like a broken record, but, yeah, for me, it's done. I, I can't see any way that uh, – for me, the only worry for me now is he stays on and we lose people. It's dreadful football. I'd much rather us play good football and, you know, finish 15th than play dreadful football and finish 15th. But also kind of, I want to see some development. I want to see a plan. I want to be able to watch the team and go, ah, okay, I can see where we're going. I can see what the situation is. At the moment, I just feel as though it's just like no idea, no plan, no kind of strategy towards anything. It's just a case of just hoofball and just hope. And it's and it, it's frustrating and it's turning people off football and uh, well Shrewsbury Town anyway and you know yeah with, with with when you're not allowed to go into the ground it's so easy for fans just to go right I'm off I'm not watching this is my escapism football and it's probably the same for you lads as well do you know what I mean we're about to go into this flipping horrible lockdown again now football's mm. my escapism football's where I work my ass off all week and I go and support my local team and I, mm. I freaking love it I absolutely love it and even me at the peak of everything I do with Shalop you know helping the club with their stats doing the Southcast the fanzine everything that I do I, I'm so so jaded with this football I'm watching mm. it out of I'm watching it out of a, a, a blind sense of loyalty, which, frankly, the football club <laughs> feels like the football club are abusing a little bit. And, and that's mm. me. All right. I'm not going to ask my season to get money back. I know the football club need the money. But it brings me to a question which we've been asked a bit later on about season tickets. And there were a mm. lot of people last night saying, what am I, what, what's his money going towards here now? Right. Is it just going out to play in a really boring season with rickets? You know, the mm. I follow games are, are costing me the money really deep down and I could just get that for a tenner instead of paying 13 quid a week. And there's a lot of reasons, Ollie, at the moment why people might want to ask for their money back. And it's a very, very tricky situation for the club now in that we back rickets, but we but we still want to keep everyone's season ticket money or we try and get fans back on side by doing the thing that maybe a majority want and then go in a different way that will get people engaged again. It's a really difficult call and the club lose money either way, which is a sad thing. Yeah, it is really tricky, tricky. Um, you know, if, if you've if you've unfortunately lost your job or your one of your partners lost their job and you're financially struggling, you know, two hundred and thirty quid um, could means you know could mean quite a big difference to your food shop for a couple of weeks. And, and why wouldn't you want that money back? Um, and I think that's a that's a tough one for fans 
And obviously, if we do take the money back from the club, that's going to make them in a more difficult position. But I think yeah. also it's it's one of the, you know, in terms of cards that the fans hold, it's probably the only one that we really got. We can't, we can't apart from writing a letter or standing outside <laughs> the meadow, um, like, you know, getting your money back is one of the only few things that fans can. And maybe they're, maybe they're, mm. uh, last night there was a lot of people, and I say lot, within the small group <laughs> and the, the echo chamber that we are on Twitter, yeah. um, talking about getting refunds. And it did seem quite noisy, didn't it, Greg? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really believe Twitter is an echo chamber anymore. There are so many different people I've got to know, and people I'm talking on now. I'm just looking back at my address. You know, I, a lot of the people I talked to on Twitter, I have no idea who they are. I, I recognise their names off Twitter, but maybe only five to ten percent of people I've ever actually met at a match day. So it's people that you're getting to know, and and people that you never see. You know, different people. It is it, it, a lot of town fans on Twitter and Facebook as well, who are expressing very similar positions. I, I'm very firm in saying that the majority of Shrewsbury Town fans want Sam Ricketts to go, and and if anyone wants to, to come on and defend that point. I'll hear him but there's absolutely no chance i'll ever believe it and um i don't know that, that's where i'm at with it a minute I, I just wanted to move on to this because we're talking about a few things and a few of these questions have come from some of the, the fans on twitter so i probably i'm going to play question master now i'll ask you each a question each so um you know if you ask the answer the first one james and then um i'll ask you the second one uh, ollie and they're not quiz questions they're just questions from fans but i'm going to ask um james this one first because you kind of alluded to it a minute ago but um, so we had a question off Gareth Hopkins um, on Twitter, and his question was, is it better watching a struggle against relegation in League One, as we've now done in 11 of our last 12 seasons at this level, including two relegations, or compete in the top seven of League Two? And you just mentioned then about, I'd rather watch this. Are, are you, would, you, would you rather be back in League Two, or, or you, you're desperate for us to keep our League One status and keep just hamming around like we have done for most of the last few seasons? Uh, look, I think, I think I'd, I'd much rather Town stay in League One, and that's... Yeah. That that's 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 me end of because I've uh-huh. I know that it's a slippery slope. It I'm not taking for granted that I think like I've said before, I've 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 been a town fan when I've seen us go from well what is now League One all the way down to the conference and seen us slip. Uh, there are a generation of town fans who've probably only seen us be a decent League Two a very good League Two side who have become a League One side, of which yeah. I can I can I completely understand the the, the rationale behind thinking, ah, oh, we'll go into League Two and we'll smash it. But there's no guarantee that we'll do that, you know. And yeah. that's and for me, I'd much rather see us play. I'd much rather us be a capable League One side. I always think Town a good season for us is mid table. If we can push above mid table in League One, then great. You know, I mean that. You know, that Paul Hurst season, I'm under no illusion. That is a fantastic, incredible, that's us punching to our max. You know, if we're in the, if we get to the championship, I think that is like our max, max, max. But would I expect us to stay in the championship by, by more than a season? No. But, you know, I, I very much think of town as kind of like a middle of the road, bottom half kind of League One side. That's kind of where we should be, especially with this situation that we're in. And, you know, I've seen too many clubs go, you, you know, you only have to look at Wrexham and other sides like that to see how, yep. when I was growing up, Wrexham were Division 2, well, what is now League 1, staple, like a very solid side. And now you can't even see them getting out the championship. Once the rot sets in, it, it can continue to rot away through various managers and various players, and you just just, just wither away on the vine, don't you? So, it, it, good, uh, good, good answer to that question, I think. And um, yeah, I think I would personally agree with you there. I'd, I'd rather we were in League One, but the point that that question's being asked shows how bad it is watching Shrewsbury in League One, doesn't it? Over a long period of time now. So, yeah, good question. Thanks for that, Gareth. One for you then, Ollie. 
um, from Andy Muir. Um, so he was saying he's speaking to lots of Salop fans who feel totally disconnected from the club over the past nine months. Um, he said, for one, I'm glad I didn't actually get a season ticket. I'm not sure I will ever bother again. Do you think attendances will be down when things get back to normal if they ever do? So assume that Sam Ricketts somehow guides us to some boring uh, safety um, during the season. He's still in charge of the start of next season and um, season tickets have been sold over the summer. We're allowed back to the stadium. Where do you think our attendances are pitched at straight away? Or are they down or are they the same? I think they'd be down massively. Um, yeah, I think you'd probably be lucky probably starting with a four. Um, I think I think there'd be a big drop. If, you, if you're carrying on with the same manager, definitely. You know, why would you buy a season ticket to, to, to see such poor football? Um, and I think that's that's a real a real serious concern that the club have, and the, and the issue is is that even if um, even if say for example we do have a new manager next season, you need that evidence to suggest it's going to be entertaining, mm-hmm. um, and I think that the feel good factor um, that the Bullhurst season brought along has carried us over because people you know have a season ticket and then you stick with it for a bit. Um, I yep. think. Yeah, I think COVID is, is going to obviously impact a big percentage of that. But also, I think another big percentage is, you know, I, I personally have spent 80 quid on iFollow. And I'm, mm. I was chatting to you last night, wasn't I? And I was just like, you know, it's just feel like a bit of a mug for paying that <laughs> this, this much money to to, to, to be frus- this frustrated um, and this this kind of this bored. So, yeah, I, I, simple answer. And yeah, I think I think the tenses will drop. Um, yeah. I think they'll drop anyway. But I don't think the club are helping themselves or ourselves um, in terms of the product and the quality of player we'll be able to sign. Okay. A next question then from Anthony Price on Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we've kind of half talked about this, but we, he said that last week me and Ollie uh, talked about Hurst or Ricketts. And then we've mentioned uh, Hurst through this podcast. Um, so the question he would like discussed is James, ask your Ricketts. Who would you, who would you be more interested in right now? <laughs> um. Oh, that's so hard. Um, <laughs> I think he stitched us up with this question. Yeah, hundred really. <laughs> percent. The, the, the main the main thing for me is I know I I have a few people who I know and who I knew will who who I knew in the ASCII era. Let's say I won't mm. name names, uh, but were very much of the effect that basically ASCII is that we used to turn up to ASCII training sessions it used to be five asides whereas I am reliably informed that Ricketts is a bit more professional than that um so I guess I'd have to pick Ricketts <laughs> um, oh, and also at the same time neither is in I the gym it's, it's it, yeah it's it's hard because it they're, it was both dreadful <laughs> like yeah. As, ASCII he was you could see with ASCII that he wanted to do the right thing but I don't think he was ready for it and he couldn't do it and then Ricketts, he's doing the wrong thing, but he's doing it the right ways, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. I, I, I would have neither, but there we go. And I think Ollie would be the same. Um, Ollie, one for you, really, which is a, probably a good place to end this podcast, really. And this was from Mark Lynch, the Shrewsbury Spur, who, who asked, who at the club is currently asleep at the wheel and not noticing these bad results, performances and stats? And who's responsible for the backing of the manager? What are they clinging to? So, first question: Do you think that Sam Ricketts being here is driven by Brian or Roland or both together? Um, and what do you think they're still clinging to here? What What is your reason why he didn't get sacked last night? Um, in terms of who's making the decision, I'm not sure. I guess it'd be a whole board decision. I guess in terms of who yep. makes the decision. So I don't know what, how they work. Whether it's a, everyone has to vote on the same idea or principle for it to be enacted. It's a all or nothing approach. I'm not sure. 
Um, right, Roland they... his hand up first and everyone else does the same, I should suspect. <laughs> no, I wouldn't like to say. Um, <laughs> in, term, in terms of um, what are they hoping for, I think it's just pure hope that it's going to get better. Um, like, yeah, we said everything I think we said to be said about um, Sam Ricketts' performance of a manager and the team and the stats and the data and everything. Um, I think they're just, I don't know, I hate, I'd hate to think it, well, not I hate to think, it seems like an easy answer to say it's financial. We're not going to do it because we can't afford it and we can't afford to, to let the manager go. But at the mm-hmm. same time, we can't, I don't think we can afford or we sh- wouldn't want to go into League Two because we get even less money. So we'd have a smaller salary cap, which would, I don't know, could make it harder for us to get back up. But then yeah. at the same time, the, the the money you get from the EFL, from the Sky money and stuff, is significantly less as anyway. So yeah. you kind of like you all lose money going down to League Two. Plus, obviously, mm. if we do get away fans and so if you get less away fans and all that kind of stuff as well. So I don't think money is why they haven't sat the manager. I don't know, and I would I would absolutely love um, to find out why they I, want to I, stick. I, I, Sorry. Go on, Joe. I was going to ask you a question. I was just going to say before I do, I, I want to say on the money thing, I'm I'm concerned it's money now because after that interview that Brian did last week where money was clearly a significant issue and all the things that have come to light about finding it hard to get your full refunds and stuff, I, I think our finances are way, way, way more stretched for even a well-run club like us than, than people kind of think they are. Um, so I'm, I, I think it's monetary related. But the thing I was going to ask you, James, and you'll probably come on to what you're going to say now, is is there anything to admire about Brian and Roland and the fact they're clinging on to sticking by a manager who they've put their faith in they've backed and they've given him a chance is that admirable or is it very very naive i yeah there's part of me which thinks it's admirable i think you know you've got to look at brian and he took over matt williams and you know this is very much his these are his decisions these are things that he's he bought in ascii he's bought in ricketts and these are yeah. things that he's got to stick by if he gets rid of the ricketts this is another failure on his behalf so it's you know, Brian is like, I'm not like, for me, Brian has done a fantastic job. He has done a great job with the community. He's done a great job with getting the right people in to do the social media in and all the media in the club. He's taken the club on outside of the actual football itself onto great levels. I think there is a part of it, which if they get rid of Ricketts, this is a second manager that has failed. And I think there's that element of it. And that's... I, I love Brian and I think he's done a great job and I also thought I thought Matt Williams did a great job as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh. it's I, I, I don't really want to have a bad word against either of them, but I think, you know, possibly that's in the back of their mind. Yeah, financially I do think there's a massive that is a massive thing at the back of the mind. Obviously we're not privy to how much Ricketts is on and how much sacking in with Costa Club, but you would assume the loss of revenue from the club moving to League One, the loss of the lack of interest from fans if we went down to League Two as well. You know, if we if we if we got relegated to League Two, you know, it's, it's so many different pitfalls that could happen, especially if yeah. they made another wrong appointment. You know, yeah. it could. It could be it's, it's not just you know it. it, it it could be, you know, it could be the worst of a bad bunch kind of thing. Yeah. I'm just getting rid of him, really. Yeah. Question for Man, you, Glenn. Oh, go on, I'd run out of questions, so that's good. Question for you. Um, who Who is at fault? So this week, for me, this this week feels quite um, a, a big juncture. And we're going yeah. to the FA Cup. You know, we could lose the FA Cup. Obviously, we'd like the money and it would be handy, but it's not necessarily the end of the world. Um, so we lose the FA Cup game. We've also got a Tuesday night next week in the EFL Trophy thing, which I definitely will not be watching. Um, so the club have got a little bit of a window here from the league. 
And, you know, we, you'd, any new manager need to come in and assess the squad ahead of January. For me, maybe I'm building this up and maybe I'm overthinking it. But this week feels like a really, really big week. If the board, so the chairman and Brian, don't make a decision this week and we get relegated, who's to blame? Oh, the board, definitely, definitely Brian or Roland. As you say, it's hard to tell who's who's really making these decisions. I'd say probably Bro- Roland is going to be the guy. This is his football club. He is the owner, and and we do as he says. Let's be honest about it. And Brian gets his fair fair share of free reign to to run the football club in a way that's very different to what we had in the nineties and early two thousands. So it mm. works well. It's a good partnership. Um, Brian is, uh, and we're going to keep mentioning Brian because he is a big part of this story at the moment. But I completely agree with James. And we've met, I've met Brian, uh, you know, a load of times. You know, I really get on well with him. You've interviewed him, and he is a very switched-on football operator. And he's canny, he's smart, he's clever. And what surprises me the most about this week is how he hasn't been sacked, and how Brian can't have understood where Shrewsbury Town fans are at. And that's why fundamentally, I cannot move away from thinking this is financially related because. Having met the bloke a little bit, and 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 the chairman as well, not not so much, but particularly with Brian, I can I can know he knows exactly how Shrewsbury Town fans are feeling. You don't need to write to Brian to tell him what's going on. He'll be fully aware of it. Um, and so he's obviously between the chairman, the the manager, and the fans, and it must be a very difficult situation for him to be in. And um, you know, I'm not I'm not going to hound Brian out of the club because he hasn't sacked him yet. But it's just maybe it just needs that one more loss for them to just tip them over the edge. And if we lose in the FA Cup, for me, you know, we, 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 he'd have to go then. It's, 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 it's untenable now, but, but for, for it'd be double untenable on Saturday, I think. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know, Ollie. I think we, we need to maybe have a think about that before Sunday and, and revisit it. But um, I think an hour and 25 minutes on just one game this week. With James, <laughs> it's a lot. Come on, be positive. And has been just as depressed as we are about the whole thing is, uh, is enough for me tonight. So um, I think let's leave it there, lads. And um, yeah, thanks for coming on, James, again. Um, yeah, it's, no been, it's been good which is why we've let you talk tonight because one of the things I liked about that Ollie was just listening to someone else or say the same things we've said in a slightly different way so yeah thanks for coming on James no worries I hope I didn't depress everyone way more than they already <laughs> are but um yeah I, yeah it's nice to come on and thank you for having me on and especially so much on your 200th episode and congratulations oh. guys and I've loved listening to all the podcasts anyway so uh, yeah well done guys and hopefully another 200 more Damn right. And Ollie, we will be back on Sunday um, with, yeah. a, with a third podcast this week covering the FA Hopefully Cup. Hopefully it won't be too long. <laughs> Maybe try and get us under an hour. No, that's right. And it will be a nice distraction from talking about the league. It, it will yeah. be nice to see if we can just have a go. It's a one-off game. I can't expect we'll play five at the back and just go for it because it's, it's got to be done on the day, hasn't it? Penalties and extra time. So, um, yeah, it might be a slightly inter- more entertaining game, you would think. But, um, yeah, we'll be back on Sunday. And, uh, yeah, we will catch you all then. 